Hey everybody, how's it going? This is Chris Adams with Beyond the Blind. Um, you can check us out on iTunes officially at BTBN. It finally got accepted. I just checked it. It was accepted. It should show up in the search bar by the time you hear this. So uh, you can either check us out on Podbean if you are subscribed or uh, iTunes. And uh, yeah, that's the best way to listen to it. Um, check us out on social media. Today I am with Heil Robbins, and uh, he is out of Tennessee, Sparta, Tennessee, which is kind of in the middle of Tennessee, and he's a, a call maker that's been making some really great calls I've followed pretty much since I got back into it in uh, 2019. How are you doing today, brother? Doing pretty good. Oh man, not too bad. Are you surviving this corona crisis we got going on? Just barely, man. <laughs> You were Just telling early. you were telling me you spend most of your days uh, at home working on some school. Unfortunately, that and when I can get a, get away from that, I could go and turn some calls. But other than that, it's not much to do really. Besides turkey hunt a little bit. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, it's it just started here two or three days ago in Missouri. I haven't even paid attention because I've been working. Um, but yeah, it just started turkey hunting and we've been doing nothing but raining since then so i haven't been too motivated yeah i feel you there i do not like getting out of bed to get wet <laughs> right the turkeys, the turkeys aren't near as pretty when you shoot them when they're just wet and nasty and just not pleasant <laughs> yeah man it's kind of like duck hunting i'm i've been doing duck hunting long enough just to if it's pouring rain i'm gonna go ahead and go back to bed i don't care that much <laughs> if I was 21, 22 again, yeah, I'd be all about it. But now, in my 30s, I'm like, eh, it ain't that important to me. Yeah, see, that's... Around here, we don't really get a lot of ducks. So if it's raining and we got them, we go. Because we probably won't get them if we don't, you know. That's, that's really valid. Uh, down around where I'm at, I guess I should go back on saying that if we have ducks i'm going out regardless of what the weather is if i have to if it's icing up and i can't drive there's a couple holes within a couple miles i'm going duck hunting but uh if it's mediocre like it has been here recently uh i'm gonna go back to bed yeah i feel you there uh it's it's been terrible over here it's it's never really been that great most you're gonna kill where i'm from is maybe 400 and that's that's doing really really good but we're starting to ease out west towards like real foot in that kind of area finally we're starting to see some of what kind of you know like bigger some allergies and stuff look like which is pretty wild to me and i'm sure it's not a big deal to you to see a bunch but it's pretty wild for me i think well i can tell you that i'm from missouri which is uh one of the more notorious mallard states um, it's really, really good waterfowl state. Um, you have the Mississippi running down the east side of the state, and then you have the Missouri River running the northwest down to Kansas City, over to St. Louis, and then joining the Mississippi and going back down. Where I am from is about 250 miles southwest of St. Louis and about 200 miles south of Kansas City. So... If you look at that, the birds jump on the Missouri River, cruise that down to the Mississippi, 200 miles to the east of us, and then they cruise down the Missouri or uh, the Mississippi about 300 miles to the east of us. So if ducks come here, they're generally drunk in this side of the state. We have four rivers, which is pretty well known, about an hour and 45 minutes away. But here where I'm at, I'm shooting local honkers most of the time, and then uh, we'll get some really decent pushes of ducks where if if i'm shooting a duck there's a 90 percent chance it's going to be a mallard but uh we do not get the ducks like we used to they've all pushed into eastern kansas and uh oklahoma oh man that's that sucks <laughs> yeah yeah man it makes it yeah, really really I'm tough to go out but i feel you i'm i'm we're right in between the like the i don't mississippi flyway i guess you would call it and then the atlantic so it's like there's not if they're here they're just like come running down through like a little geographical shoot through kentucky <laughs> so i don't even know where they come from honestly but are you you that come here <laughs> have are you up into the mountains at all no i live there's a it's called the upper cumberland it's a big plateau and i can see it 
when I step outside my door, but I live down in like a little, like a little basin almost. It's just a, it's, it's really flat compared to a lot of the areas around here. And there's little swamps and potholes and a bunch of farm ponds. And that's really what we like to hunt, which is, it sounds pretty goofy, but it can be pretty fun if they're actually there. Man, it sounds a lot like what we hunt around here. Um, we're the, I, I live in the Ozark Mountains. And uh, it's not really mountains, especially compared to what you're seeing. What you're calling flat in Tennessee to 90% of the country <laughs> is their mountains. Um, in the Ozark Mountains, I don't know if you've ever heard of Branson and stuff like that. I live about 20 miles away from there. It's really hilly, and we have a lot of uh, clay and stuff like that. So no real ag land around us, but... Um, we have some, I don't know, every little town around Springfield, Springfield's about 180, 200,000 people, has their little uh, resident honker population of 250, 300 honkers. Uh, Canada geese, for people who don't know what honkers are. But uh, we focus on those, and what I've done is, between me and my buddies, the five or six guys that we hunt with religiously, is we'll grab the few pieces of ag land around every one of those small cities will go knock on farmers doors hey do you need us to fix some fence or you know whatever we can to get the corn for the year and then we'll focus a lot on residential honkers and we'll just kind of rotate around the city and hunt a different spot you know two or three times a week and then when the ducks do push in we'll go hunt mallards but uh most of the time we're, we're hunting those honkers yeah i see you uh we got a a lot of like local geese too. They don't they don't ever leave. God, the only reason I know they don't leave um, is because there's like a abandoned program outside of or it's in Cooper. Don't hold on. If you're gonna tell people where to go to shoot bands in Tennessee, I wouldn't do it here. So you can keep your hidden gem. But uh, don't name any names. You can tell uh, you can tell what's going on. Just don't name any names. Uh, it, at this point. It doesn't even matter. There's so many people that if, if we were, we messed up, we didn't realize what we had on state, and people found out about it. And there's already a bunch of people here chasing <laughs> them. It's it's bad, but that's it's there's about I mean there's not that many geese. It's little pods of them here and there, but there's a lot of a lot of banning that goes on, and you know it because they all <laughs> every one of them's got collars. And it's terrible because you can just see it driving down the road. And they know. have collars. Yes. Yeah, oh man, you're definitely going to have everybody from freaking Tennessee pouring into your door now. I doubt it. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> hard, man. But uh, no, there's so much pressure on like on farmers now to because there's been so many people coming in from out of the out of the area and just ask for permission and just be on to them. And these farmers are just they're just like if it. If there's a spot that can get got, it's already got, if that makes sense. Like, there's hardly anything left to really even get on. Well, it's good that it's good that they recognize the guys that already have it. That's my favorite is when we take a new guy out, you know, somebody who's like, hey, can you take me hunting? Can you take me hunting? I'm like, yeah, sure. And take them hunting, put them on a bang-up hunt, you know, on one of, you know, our little group's fields that we've had for a couple of years and have known the farmer and brought him a you know a fifth of his choice or you know a 30 pack of something over the last couple of years and then i get a phone call from him a week later hey this guy is asking if he can come hunt on this property i'm like oh that's funny i just took him out last week you know they try to snake it out from under you yeah that ain't, I, I ain't much of a fan of that and that goes on a lot around here so i don't know i just i've almost i haven't quit chasing them but I'd much rather go after ducks if I can find them, you know. Ducks are far less frustrating, I can tell you that much. Yeah, for sure. But that's mainly why I make duck calls and not goose calls. (laughs) (laughs) See, I I started off and we hunted mostly ducks. Man, five, six, eight years ago around here, ducks were, it was just completely different. But uh, it gets worse and worse at the end of every duck season. We're like, man, this is the fewest ducks we've seen every year. And then it gets worse the next year. And Oklahoma and uh, eastern Kansas get better and better and better every year. <laughs> I 
I bet you know a guy that lives over in Kansas that, that gets on pretty good, man. Yeah, man. It's uh, it's uh, wild. Oh, doesn't uh, Domingo? He's from he's from over there. Somewhere. Yeah, he lives in Central Kansas. And he, oh, yeah. uh, I know this last season, even he said it was really, really tough because I've always, you know, I've talked to Domingo pretty, pretty well for the last couple of years. And um, he last year said that he was out killing birds, but he was having to walk a mile and a half to two miles in to do it. And, uh, and gr- not Grand Pass, uh, Great Bend. What's that big refuge out in Great Bend? Um, I feel really dumb right now. It's one of the most underrated. I'm not going to say it because the Kansas guys will kill me. But um, <laughs> it's this big, huge refuge. It's one of the best spots in the country. But he said he was having to walk a mile and a half, two miles back in there. And he was hunting till 11 o'clock noon every day. And, you know, I'm sure I could kill mallards around here if I wanted to stay and hang out and chew a duck every 30 minutes but if it's not happening by nine o'clock we're usually going and grabbing some breakfast somewhere <laughs> i feel you the breakfast is the most important part of the morning <laughs> that's right man that's can, that's half the fun almost, of the hunt you can almost always win breakfast but i've lost it a few times we uh we forget the stove or something and it's just terrible <laughs> <laughs> so what's the uh so you guys are hunting farm ponds and stuff like that do you have like blinds set up or tell me about your duck hunting situation out there well I mean, we, for blinds, usually there's not many built. If they're built, it's usually older guys that have hunted for a while, and they've had these ponds for ever, and they, they build blinds on them. And then there's that kind of people, and then there's people like us. We use a panel blind, like just take it with us everywhere we go, or a layout, and those work really well. And then there's the kind of guys that'll go and just sit on the edge of the pond with nothing, and you know, scare everything inside, but <laughs> yeah, they'll just burn up every bird around. But you'll have that. That's that's just part of it. You gotta learn, I guess. Man, uh, I'll yes. tell you what. It we went from layouts. We lived by the layout for the longest time and full bodies forever. And um, me and my my really close buddy, we kind of we do most of the stuff in our little group of guys. Everybody else just kind of jumps on and tags out. And uh, me and this other guy, we actually ran the TV show that we had here locally, and uh, we were partners doing that. And he told me, he's like, man, I think I want to sell, because we just keep all of our decoys together. And he has a bunch of property that we hunt on a lot. And he's like, I think I kind of want to sell all of our decoys. And I was like, why do you want to do that? And he's like, I want to switch to dive bombs. And I was like, I'm all for it, man. You know, I've we've hunted nothing but silhouettes before in the past. I'm a believer. I think a full spread of silhouettes. You know, if you have three or four dozen full bodies and you switch it out for 30 dozen freaking silhouettes, I'm all about it. And uh, we switched to running nothing but silhouettes. And then uh, we had really, really good success. But we were still carrying all these stupid layouts all the time. So uh, he was like, man, what do you think about this A-frame stuff? And uh, I was like, I think it can work. I'm skeptical because we hunt a lot of honkers in the middle of fields. But uh, let's let's give it a try. And he built uh, us some A-frames last year. And we switched to running nothing but A-frames and freaking silhouettes. We don't even put duck decoys out 90% of the time because we hunt honkers a lot. But we've killed so many ducks running a full honker spread that... Uh, those A-frames, man, sitting up compared to sitting or laying down in layouts is the way to go. Yeah, I totally agree. We, my little brother, he will not even, if, if it's a possibility of getting in the layout, he's probably not even going to get out of it. It's terrible. He's, he's gotten spoiled in the A-frame we have. But, uh, yeah, I wouldn't have even thought silhouettes have worked until this past fall. We shot like a six or something, I think six-man limit out of a, like a dry field and just I don't know how many dozen silhouettes were out and it was insane they would just come straight into it so I, I thought it was awesome but so that's probably the direction I'll be moving towards too when I do hunt geese that is man I can tell you that uh we had this one scout it's probably the craziest hunt I've ever been on and I'll I'll remember it forever but uh just because of the this it it didn't make any sense 
we have uh, this big five acre roost lake that's probably two miles off of like our city water lake. And the city water lake, there's lots of hills and stuff. You can't hunt on the city water lake. And it's pretty big. And uh, we have this five acre roost lake, maybe bigger than that. I don't know. It's probably a mile away. And we have all the grain fields around the city. There's usually two or three cornfields around it. And we just kind of bounce around and hunt that that resident population of honkers. Well, one year it got super, super cold. I think it was 17. And the, the city lake was the only thing that was open. And this residential group of honkers that were hunting on this uh, roost lake, there's usually 200 of them. Well, they bounced over and they jumped on with the thousand city birds that were on the city lake. And uh, they started coming off to feed where we we're used to hunting. And uh, all these thousand birds just decided to follow them. So we've been watching them for a few days and they were in this grass field. I mean, it is grass. It is an alfalfa, it an, I don't, it's not fescue. I don't, I'm not a farmer, you know, <laughs> it's, it's grass. If I was gonna go out and mow it, it'd be grass. But there's a thousand birds in this 30, 30 might be generous acre field. And we're like, I don't know what is going on, but we're scouting it. And the last night that I'm out there, uh, I'm just doing one last pass. We're going to hunt the next morning. And all thousand birds are there. And I sit there for probably five minutes. And we have two groups of ducks just decide to pour in. And I was like, what the? Ducks are hitting grass. Something is not right. And I text my buddy. I was like, hey, man, we might get some ducks in the morning. And he's like, no joke? And I'm like, yeah, I've never seen ducks hit a grass field before, but all right. So we show up the next morning, and it was the most mallards I've ever seen around that around our area. And we shot a six-man limit of mallards in 15 minutes, and that was with stopping and just watching. And we get up and count and separate birds and do all that stuff and realize that we still had more to shoot. And I go back to get my layout blind, and there's a freaking duck, a live drake, just standing on top of my layout blind. I was like, we're not even hidden. You can't hide in grass. We didn't bring a green bale of hay or anything out there. I mean, there's no logical reason for them to be there. And they, I was just laugh at them. I was like, dude, look at this. This is the craziest thing I've ever seen. So uh, I don't know how I got on this tangent, but the ducks sometimes are just weird like that. Uh, you just gotta take what you can get. That's that's one of the best feelings I think is what you said about you just watching them pour in the evening before. Man, that I love knowing just when you're waking up, you're about to go just absolutely hammer them. That's, that's the that's the best feeling. feeling in the world. The worst feeling in the world is when you're like, we should absolutely hammer them, and you get up and nothing happens. Oh, that's every other night, it seems like. <laughs> when you do your scouting and everything is right, the wind is right, the temperature is right, we've watched these birds, and then the next day, nothing. That is the worst. I'm like, I probably said that ten times this last season. I'm like, I don't even know why I do this anymore. I hate this. I don't even know why I do this anymore. I could be at home turning calls. I could be at home in my warm bed eating sausage and gravy right now. Like, what is going on? Oh, man, but then you look back about a month later and you're like, dang it. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> even that, that. I just laugh, you know, that's all you can do. Yeah. So, tell me about how you got started turning calls. Well, I really started, I didn't, I, I grew up hunting like deer and turkey, and that's really what people hunt around where I'm from. That's like a big thing that people get into. So, I just been that and got into it when I was about middle school and did that all up to high school and about my senior year we started getting into duck hunting for some weird reason <laughs> and next thing I know I was in my second year of college and I was just I found this group of hunters like we're like from uh, southeast Missouri and they were always hosting pictures and they were really good at killing them and calling and doing all kinds of crazy stuff and I had my interest in calling at kind of grown because I was I absolutely hated not being able to like do something in a hunt and so I was following this group and one of the guys in that group um he turned calls and he wasn't that much older than me so I thought well that's kind of cool and I started following him and watching kind of what he was doing and uh I think his name was uh Rory O'Keefe 
Yeah, I totally was going to say that your calls yeah. remind me a lot of Rory. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought he was just crazy awesome about like, what he was doing. I was like, man, that's great. I remember showing my friends at like a Dex Luna meeting uh, some of his calls, and I was like, I'm about to buy one of these. And then uh, it was 2017, and it was like a week before he passed, and I was like, I decided I was going to save up that summer and buy a call because I was a college kid and I had to wait till summer, you know, because I didn't have anything to do besides go to school. So I didn't have that much money, so I was going to wait and order one from him. And then a week later, after I decided that, he uh, already had passed, and I was like, well, dang. So about a few months passed, and I turned 20, and it was in, in the summer, I was like, I kind of want to buy a lathe and try this out. If he can do it, I think I can. So I started turning them, and somehow ended up making some calls, I guess, <laughs> and it's still going. <laughs> but, yeah, that's that's kind of how I got started. Yeah, I grabbed one of his calls, man, early 17, it was Coca-Cola and Blackwood, and it was, I don't know, probably an inch shorter than my calls. It was, he had a crazy little compact design, and I don't, I just remember waking up one day and looking at call nuts and hearing about it, and that was, uh, it was pretty crazy, because he was, he was very active on call nuts. And I know you're pretty active as well on there, and it was uh, it was just kind of weird, man. It was it was super sad, and you know I didn't have a lot of interaction with him, like not even as much interaction as me and you are having now. We've never even talked really before, just a few messages here and there. And uh, I saw your stuff and knew that you were a guy that I wanted to talk to because I really liked your style. And the first thing that caught my eye was. Uh, that shape that reminded me of his it wasn't it's not a copy of his like i don't want anybody to think that i'm saying that it just reminded me and i was like hey i want to talk to this guy because he reminded me of that and uh it was pretty crazy man yeah i, I mean i haven't really told many people about that i told like one other guy that he was like why i kind of started seeing and finding out about all that like custom hand turn stuff and and the guy I told was uh, one of his really good friends, it turned out. Um, they're still making videos and it's much crazy stuff. Uh, the Daybreak Outdoors guys, they're really, really cool guys. They make some sweet stuff. But, uh, yeah, I told Taylor about it. And that's probably the only person I've really told, honestly, of kind of how I found about, got into it and, you know, well, I would say you're doing a, a really good job, bud. And uh, like I said, you're you're keeping his shape. The guys that um, have been around a while, I think, see it. Maybe nobody else has made the connection. Maybe I'm the only one who's ever seen it. But uh, I really love that you're keeping something similar to his shape. And like I said, I, he doesn't know me. Or he didn't know me. I don't, you know, we didn't have any real interactions i talked to tyler hall you know here and there and i know they were pretty close but uh you know i like that you're keeping his shape alive and i don't want you to think that you have to keep that shape to keep everybody thinking that it's it's a weird thing i don't know but you know what i'm you know what i'm saying i don't want you to feel like you have to keep that but uh that was the first thing that caught my eye and uh i don't know i just love the stuff that you're doing man it looks super awesome well, I really appreciate it. Yeah, I don't. I wasn't really intentional about making it that shape, but I really liked his style, and I was like, I mean, why would I make something that I didn't like the look of? So I, I just—it's just kind of what I kept on doing. Really. That's that's an exact quote that I've given many, many, many people and uh, many young call makers. I've had people hit me up about my shape and how it looks like this brand and that brand, and I'm like, why would I make something I don't like the look of? I've said that so many times, and <laughs> yeah, when I other think I'm pretty. that's probably why I thought about that honestly. Yeah, man, and when other call makers ask me about that stuff, I'm like, do what makes you happy, and if somebody says that you look like somebody else, like I said, um, somebody, my original shape said I look like a John Kep, and John Kep is one of the biggest names, one of the best call makers in the business. I, what did I do that night? I reached out to him. I talked to him. He said it was okay. He was okay with it, but I decided to switch it up a little bit. And, uh, you know, no matter what you do, somebody's going to say you look like somebody else. You do your best. Try not to offend the call maker. They say you look like, talk to that. Most of those people are, you know, I've met and I'm cool with. And, you know, you'll be the same way. But uh, 
I don't know. I don't sweat that stuff. Most call makers, if somebody wants to make one that's very similar to mine, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, exactly. It's it's more about sound, honestly. If it looks like something you like, that just adds to it. And I've just, honestly, I started making the second shape just because I like it. And it's kind of like a, almost like a heritage type thing since Real Foot Lake Hall is there from Tennessee. That's right, man. Based out of Tennessee. And so I started making one without um, a band on it and just doing just like a triangular barrel. And just putting my same dimensions and same time board and everything, but just making it look old school. And I, I really like that. But um, I just figured I might as well just do what I want, I guess. <laughs> it's almost like art, really. That's right, brother. I think uh, that. I was just talking, I don't know if you've talked to Jace Porter at all, but I know that he's a he's a Tennessee guy too. And me and him, we started right about the same time. And he kind of did what I did. He took a year, a year and a half or so off, and I did the same thing. Kind of got burnt out for a while and pulled back in. And uh, I was just talking to him about his old shape and how I loved his old shape. It was very, very similar to mine. Um, Brian Fricker's. Me, Jace, and Brian all started about the same time, at least on uh, call nuts and kind of in the public eye. And all three of us had a very similar looking call. And that's why I switched mine, but I was telling him how much I loved his calls. And he just put out a real foot, more geared call the other day. And uh, I told him how much I liked that design. And it's just something that for a while, when I first started waterfowl hunting, toxic was about as big as they've ever been and there were skulls and i'm sure they're great calls i've never ran one because it you know to me it's acrylic it's uh it's not something i'm gonna ever pass on to one of my kids that's not saying that there's anything wrong with it but i like that we're call makers man that handcrafted like if i get a brad samples 100 years from now Somebody's going to look at that thing and say, that's a piece of art. And that's what I want my stuff to be like. Yeah, I haven't. I mean, I've thought about it being really art, but more recently, honestly, just since I started looking at it and thinking about designs, because I've been working on some like, new actual sounds and stuff. And I came out with one yesterday and showed everybody and sold the call. But I just decided that I was probably going to make them all the same shape, honestly, through the different models. But... I mean, if it looks good and the lines really flow together, that's all that matters. Absolutely, man. And that's like the very like you said, if it's something that you're gonna want to buy, then it's something that's gonna be good. If you ain't got no, if you ain't got no, that is the worst sounding sentence I put together today. <laughs> if you don't have flames etched into your calls with a, I mean, that's great for the people that do. I'm playing my PC politically correct. But I'm not going to ever put... You won't see my calls with flames on them. I don't think I'll see Ohio Robbins with freaking flames on them. You might. You never know. I don't know. If somebody wants to pay you enough... It's like I told Channing the other day. He was talking about his goose calls. And I'm sure you've followed that a little bit just from following yeah. call nuts. Yeah, I, listened, I actually listened to that podcast. Uh, <laughs> Where he's like, I'm not going to make a goose call. And I was like, somebody offers you $1,000. You're going to make a goose call. I bet your ass you will. <laughs> I don't know who wouldn't, honestly, unless you're just... I don't know. Crazy, I guess. <laughs> right? Everybody's got a price. So, you um, you saw some of Rory's work. You wanted to start off with calling. What um, what would you say? Kind of walk me through. Did you go out and get a lathe? Or uh, did you have somebody that you reached out to as kind of a mentor? Or what was kind of your process? I think so many people want to know how to start making calls. I think there's a lot of tinkerers out there like us that want to start doing it and uh i didn't have anybody close to me where i'm at in the state there's a lot of great call makers in missouri but i didn't have anybody that i knew of that's and still there's not very many that are close to me at all i think uh meredith he's like four hours south and then i go through uh will shelley and Siloam springs i go through there about three times a week for work but as far as like getting together like those two they get together all the time make calls drink beer you know, record videos and hang out together. There's nobody like that around here. So how did you uh, how did you get into it? Yeah, I'm the, I'm about the same as you. There's not. I mean, there's a couple guys that kind of turned. There's a his name is Terry Bore, and he he's down the road a little ways. He turns turkey calls and some duck calls too. But uh, we don't ever meet up as much 
as we probably should, honestly, because he's, he's a pretty good guy. <laughs> I've got one of the strike calls we've traded and stuff. But, uh, no, um, I was I was on call nuts before anyone really knew it because I, was, I didn't have Facebook. I didn't hear it. The only reason I have Facebook today is because it's call nuts and making calls. That's it. And um, I was watching, and I finally was like, well, I think I want to try it. And I was weird. I remember me and my she was my girlfriend at the time. She's my wife now. We were uh, we were shopping, and I saw that Harbor Freight had a deal <laughs> on a wave. And I'm once again a college kid with a lot of money, but it was summertime. So heck yeah, I'm gonna take advantage of a <laughs> advantage of a deal at Harbor Freight. So I went and got that wave. Hey, there's realize, there's nothing wrong with the Harbor Freight. I know uh, Bobby Hayes had five in his shop at one point in time. Oh, mine's still working for me at bus. I'm at right under. I'm right underneath my Harbor Freight right now. That's where my phones are set up doing this podcast, buddy. Oh, it's a great life. I would definitely recommend for the first person, like if it's your first time turning the call, definitely get one of them. Yeah, pretty, it, pretty hard to break. Yeah, if it breaks, throw it away. Spend another two hundred bucks. Go get a brand new one. I mean, honestly, though, I've not had any problems actually breaking it. I've done some some wild stuff on that thing, <laughs> not knowing what I was doing, it, which is really bad, but it's not got enough power to mess your hand up or anything if you just go crazy on it. But all the tooling that goes with making calls is what took me forever, and I finally just figured out if I just need to listen to other people. Like, call makers not trying to take shortcuts on tooling because – you're going to have to buy it and you're just going to make yourself spend more money in the end, honestly, if by not having the right tools to do what you need to do. So I think I saw an article, or it wasn't an article, maybe it was, the other day that somebody had put out about all the supplies you need to get started in the call making and do it really well. Uh, did you see that one by chance? Yeah, I saw it on Call Nuts. It was like two or three days ago. It wasn't rusty. Who was it? Say, it was it was somebody like was, Rusty though, another uh, really experienced call maker. I want to say it was either Byers or. That's what I was thinking was Brian. Yeah, I think so. Maybe is it him or uh, Benjamin Lyle? Maybe. Yeah, I don't I'm not see. Sure. It's one of them guys. I know for sure. Because I, I actually, I think I went back and read it at one point and just kind of brush up, make sure I. <laughs> right because <laughs> I mean you can always get better I just found out how to use a countersink like two weeks ago and I've been wearing that thing out <laughs> it's, it's awesome but uh, I feel like I'll, I try to learn new ways to do stuff all the time and I definitely have a list of stuff things right now that I could go out and buy and, make, and improve my calls if that makes sense yeah, yeah, it's a, um, I got into it myself originally because I saw a lot of really, really nice calls, and much like you, I wasn't a college kid at the time, but I had two newborns, I had a, my kids are 11 months apart, and now I have my other stepson, he's he's a year apart from the, I have three kids within two years age frame so we're constantly you know (laughs) money's always always a concern but i got into it and i was like hey man i can't afford all these really nice calls but i think i can do this i think i can make it myself if i want to make it myself out of this this material and i found it is a black hole of just dumping money oh yeah sweet i made this but i could upgrade it and spend another 500 and get this sure I mean, that's, that's not the most truth there is. I saw, right as I got on call nuts, somebody else was getting into call, and I can tell you, I don't remember the name, but somebody commented and said, if you, you they, asked, they were asking what you needed to start. I said disposable income, and that's probably the, <laughs> the, most, <laughs> the most real thing I've ever seen. It was, it, I thought it was awesome, and not really at the time, because I didn't have any money to throw into it. <laughs> I guess I did, because I made it this far. <laughs> right. Well, that's awesome. How long have you been doing it total? I've uh, I've seen your stuff. I can remember for about eight months. But like I said, I stepped away from it for probably a year and a half and uh, tried to get my life in in order. So I'm a lot of these newer guys. You know, uh, I just talked to Colton a little bit ago, and he's a new guy. So a lot of you 
you know, a lot of new guys that I've seen pop up and it's, I don't know, call making from now from six years ago when I started has come so far. Uh, I started back in, I think, 2017. Okay, so, so you've been doing it yeah. a little bit. Yeah, just, just enough to start getting to where I can actually improve on stuff and not just be trying to find what I'm looking for, if that makes any kind of sense. No, yeah, that makes total sense. And uh, it's kind of, I don't know, the way I've always looked at it, I've kind of looked at waterfowling as like different classes. It's almost like school. How, uh, you know, you've seen the guys that came out. You know, I said Jace, and uh, I saw Brian. I, I think Brian started a little bit before both me and Jace. Um, Michael Meredith, I think, started three or four months before me. So it's like you kind of have your class of guys that you all start with where it has, like, uh, Bobby Hayes, Mike Stelsner. Um, I want to say... Uh, John Kep, I think all of them are really, really similar time frame wise. I think Ronnie and uh, Sample started about the same time. I, who do you think started right around you? Um, um I think I, th- I want to say Tanner Pickson started close to me. He doesn't. He's not been making as many in the past few months, but he does make a really nice call. I've got one that we traded a lot, like two years ago, and it's. I mean, it's pretty nice call on me. I think Mingo started right around you too, didn't he? I don't count him. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, when you get to that. No, uh, I think, yeah, he's he's really close. I think I was maybe a little before, but, but he's been calling so long that... Like Mingo's said, a freak, I, I though. I don't count that. <laughs> I, I met him a couple times up in uh, DeCoin, and we've talked and blown each other's calls, and... He's a really nice guy, but like I said, he's just he's insane as far as it goes. It really helps to be able to blow that call. And when you're world champion, like, class, it just makes it unfair, honestly. Well, yeah. Do you know how I uh, – did you listen to his podcast with me? I haven't made it to it yet. Okay. <laughs> I've, I've known Mingo for God, a couple of years, and uh, – he was one of the – I used to do a lot of competition calling, like uh, reporting, kind of like this, but I did it with more competition callers and call makers. And uh, Mingo became a really good buddy of mine. And um, he actually – we talked about it on our podcast a while back where he didn't win his first contest until like five months before he played second at Worlds where he was the world runner-up. Like, that yeah. dude is an absolute freak on a call. Oh, I agree. But uh, I think he just, I don't know. I don't know how. I guess he, he told me, like, I think it was last summer when we were in the coin. He said, yeah, I just drove up here and blew my call for about uh, seven hours. And I was like, well, that's why you're so good man <laughs> yeah he's it, i if you listen to his podcast like because mingo's a really really funny guy um i always have a lot of fun hanging out with him especially talking with him in person but he's so aw shucks about everything like we were talking about uh his contest calling and i was like well what was it like when you got into contest calling to to when you won and i think he summed it up in like one sentence and i was like I was expecting 10 minutes of conversation about it. And I was like, man, you're so, he's just so nonchalant about, oh yeah, I took second in the world this one time and kind of moved on to this next subject. And I was was like, dude, you're so aw shucks about everything. It's so funny. Yeah, that'd be, I wish I could just, you know, yeah, I placed last year at Worlds. (laughs) <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be happy if I placed at the Tennessee State competition, honestly, but I've I'm, I'm never even been to it. <laughs> <laughs> right. So you get into this call making. Um, you had a few different guys that were pushing you back and forth. What was? What would you say? I've talked to a few different newer call makers and kind of talked about it on the podcast. And um, what would you say was like, if you could tell somebody starting out, like, what's the, the number one thing they should be ready for? What would that be? Ready for as in? Like, um, like what's unexpected? Everybody kind of knows, hey, you have to get some of these tools, but I can't remember. Like, the first time I turned a call and then, 
when it wouldn't do anything and then the next time I turned it and when I figured it out. So I I don't know. I guess I just didn't read as much as I should have on those forums. Nobody does. But, no. Definitely not. Because I got a ordered I didn't order. I bought a used flat G and that's what I started on. And I thought, man, I'm about to have it working call tonight. <laughs> <laughs> right. Did, so I was on my hard freight, didn't have the right tools, somehow got it drilled out to some depth. I had no idea what it was. I stuck it into that flat jig, I cut it, went, I put the reed and cork in it, tried to blow it, and you can probably guess what sound came out of that. <laughs> right. Locked <laughs> up squeal. Not, nothing. Oh, <laughs> Not man. Sound. I, was, I was pissed. <laughs> so, so I was like, well, dang it, it's kind of late, so I just, I went, I had called him tonight and went online and started reading why it was not like a sound and what I needed to do and just started playing with it ever since. But I would say that just well, like, what to expect from... Uh, I, like, here's an example of mine. I, uh, when I went out and got all my stuff, much like yourself, you sound like you took more time and you actually did any kind of research... I did absolutely zero research when I started. I just went out, bought a lathe, bought everything I could. I found some used uh, high-speed strength, whatever, HSS tools um, that were dull as all get out and just started going out there and burning up wood. I got a public jig like three or four days later in the mail, went out there, started doing it. I'm like, hey, that kind of sounded like a duck. And then I tinkered with that for about eight months until I was like, I really don't like the sound that is coming out of this jig. I've done everything under the sun to try to tweak around with this thing. It makes a call. It makes a decent call. It'll go out and kill ducks, but I'm not happy with it. Went out and bought a flat jig and never looked back. I agree. I think it'll take a lot longer to get a sound out of a flat jig, but once you've done it... and it'll probably take you 25, 50 times to really actually know what you're adjusting on it and knowing not to take a lot of material off and or whatever you're wanting to get. But that's just that's just how it is, I guess. Yeah, like um, I told me and Eric Ostevic have talked for quite a long time. He did a trade with me back in 15 or 16, and uh, he gave me a lot of advice. And I think I think he gets mentioned once every podcast, and he always loves that. He gives me a message after he listens to each one. But uh, Eric is about as nice of a guy as you can come by. But um, I told him, I was like, man, I've learned more in two months with this flat jig than I've learned the whole last year of call making. And uh, I think that's why, like, I, I've talked in the past about how I'm going to get a jig made. I'm waiting for Channing to finish up my dowels. I keep calling him out. I feel bad. Uh, Korea, finish up my my dowels, dude. It's been since uh, November we've been talking about it, and we're in April now. I don't have a metal lathe because I'm not the uh, the world champ goose maker. But uh, <laughs> but uh, I stuck with flat jig for so long because I'm so. It's kind of it's every day the game evolves. Every day I try to do something a little bit better. Every single call I try to make better than the last one, and it took me so long to even be like, okay, I'm just gonna get a flat jig made or a, a custom jig made. I've been doing this game long enough to to get one made, but it took so long, man, because even calls that I thought that I wanted to get jigged, I'll leave them on my mantle or something like that. And then I'll come back after making 15, 20 more flat jig calls, and I'll blow that thing, and I'm like, I like this, but I, I wish it had more of this. And I'll hit that cork notch a few more times or something, you know? And it's yeah. that's why I always talk myself out of it. I'm such a cheapskate call maker. To I'm, I'm just a cheapskate in life. If I'll buy my kids, buy my girlfriend, I'll spend all the money in the world on everybody else. But when it comes to me, like the girlfriend will be like, "Hey, you need to go get some some new shirts. You have this. Your call making shirts are all disgusting. They have holes in the bottom of them. You always use the bottom of your shirt to wipe off after you've been wet sanding or something like that." I'm like, "Nah, they're cool though. I'll just wash them. Like I'm just, I'm just a, a cheapskate. I can find better places to spend my money." 
But I'm, uh, the, I'm the same way, man. That's that's. I'm glad somebody else is like. That. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, you know, I'm. I'll be the first person to do that. But if somebody else needs something, I'll always like. I'm gonna go out and buy you the best thing that I can get you. But uh, as far as spending all my money on myself, it just doesn't happen. Yeah, I, I completely understand that. So you're saying, are you still doing your calls off just a flat jig, or have you got a custom made yet? I'm still flat jigging, brother. I just flat jigged a call last night. I have probably done 250 calls flat jig, maybe 300. Uh, I'll tell you what, I, the call that I had jigged, it was okay, and, it, and one of my buddies has it now. But I just, I took a, like it was a good call, like not great, just good. And then I started tweaking it to where it's at now, and it's not great by any means. But it's, I think it's a pretty damn good call. Like it's way better than the one I sent to get. Jigs, that's for sure. Just because it was a way better spot to start from. And that's really how I think I've gotten a little bit better, honestly. Was just having a real, a really good jig to start from and coming off of a good call and just figuring out the rest of it as I go. Yeah, see, I think that that's the main reason I even want to get jigged. I don't want to have... Um, you know, I'm to the point now where mine are consistent enough off of flat jigging, which sounds insane. Um, but uh, just to have that cleaner starting point, because I I tweak and it's all by ear, you know. And uh, I don't tune off of a jig. I tune off of a freaking by ear. And having something that gets me, if it saves me 75% of the time and I have to spend 25% of the time still doing everything, that's not going to hurt my feelings. But uh, I saw somebody a while back, and I, I remember who it was. I don't want to call out any names, but they posted a picture. I think they've been making calls three and a half years, and they had like eight custom jigs. I'm like, dude, you know how much money that is in custom jigs? Yeah, that's... That's crazy. And I, that's that's a lot. I know you're talking about, man. <laughs> that's a lot, man. Like, I, I can understand if you have different models, but that makes me not want to get a jig even more because I'm like, I'm 100% and do not want to do that. It's it's really not bad. I've got, the only custom jig I've had done was from Wade and he did a really good job. And I've got plans to get another one sent to him but just uh, haven't got to it yet, I guess. But really, uh, the new call that I've been working on, uh, it's like a cut down style and it's it's basically off a flat jig. I just use my other jig to. I use my. I cut my flat jig first and then do some other stuff with my jig, like that's custom and it, somehow it's making it sound like a cut down. I'm not really. I know how to do it and I wrote everything down. It's have, going pretty well. Have you talked to. Uh, I call him Mike, but everybody. Meredith, you know. Uh, have you talked to him about that? Uh, I have not. Chew, I really made, chew really his. Two of them. Chew his ear off about that. Michael's about the nicest guy. I know he stays busy, but uh, he's one of my best buddies in the call-making world. Chew his ear about that because, you know, um, if you look at NWTF, I think he's won the cut-down division, God, the last four years. And his first year, he took second behind Spencer, which nobody – you know, Spencer is one of the best yeah. cut-down call-makers and blowers in the world ever. But – uh he caught a lot of flack using his original tone board. And I, I'm not a cut down guy at all, but I know he can give you a lot of a lot of pointers maybe in the uh in adapting a regular tone board into it. I don't know. It it, it can't hurt to talk to Michael because he's yeah. a really good cut down call maker and uh he's not something that everybody you, you see the MIG cutdowns all the time anymore, but two or three years ago you didn't, and he's a really good cutdown call maker. Yeah, I've I owned one, I think. I've, I've owned a bunch of calls that I've just traded around. I like I'll, I used to do that a ton, but I've got to ride down anymore. But, uh, yeah, the, what I'm using now, I don't even have a – it's not even like a 14-mil read. It's just a regular – like it's – it looks like it's almost a normal J-frame call, but it definitely does not sound like one. It's kind of like a is like it one for that. no back pressure type situation. No, it's it's got a little bit, and it's it's in the same configuration, like dimensionally, as my other calls, and which really surprised me that it would do that sound. And it was honestly the first one I made was a mistake, and it sounds pretty good. And the second one I made, 
it sounded even better because I thought, well, I guess I can only go up. Very, but, very interesting. You might even give uh, Bobby Hayes a shout-out. I know he had, um, before he did the Mammoth Cut, he had uh, the Shortcut, which was like a J-frame mock cut down. It had little back pressure, but uh, he quit making it because a lot of guys couldn't blow it. You might give him a holler and see if he's done anything similar to that. Yeah, I, I'm a, I've been calling it like a hybrid to my, my my friends, and I named it after one of my friends, or it's a couple of my friends. They're uh, they have a German short hair pointer, and that's what I named it after. Because they those guys, they I, between two of them, they probably own their brothers, and they own. I'd say 30 Mondos. It's ridiculous. Holy good they're, they're really big cut-down guys, and so that's probably what they'll uh, be using this year. They're <laughs> in Tennessee, like, of course. Yeah. But, yeah, I need to probably talk to some other guys about cut-downs, but I really just started making it because I like a really aggressive call and all you have to do with a cut down just put air into it and it'll sound like a duck it's the easiest call honestly once you figure it out i i think i was three or four years into call making and i bought a mondo lt and it was out of my possession in about three weeks and seth fields was making fun of me he's like dude i come and i will teach you how to blow this thing i was like nope nope i'm good i'm we don't i don't have any need for it here I'm good. I don't need it. But I can tell you after I went from that thing to jumping onto a J-frame, I was like, man, I really like how I blow a J-frame after messing around with this cut down for a while. Yeah, I feel you. Honestly, I, I, I blow it about the same as a normal call, as a normal J-frame. And I put the air into it just a little bit different. And I don't notice any difference in it. I remember I, I asked, or I blew a, a Mondo LAS in front of Jim Ronquest in the coin and I said uh, I asked him did he just put there into it like a normal call and he said yeah and I, I was like well that makes a lot of sense because that's all I do and it sounds alright I guess <laughs> I, I don't know really what I, I first got a Mondo and it was a couple of years ago it was before I, I was making calls it was my first year and I was really weirded out by it and then I just figured out how to put air into it I really like them Honestly, yeah, I mean, they're the they're the I don't know if they're the number one selling, but they're if not, they're definitely up there for a reason. I mean, they that thing is so it's such a good platform that guys are making little bitty tweaks on to make it their own, but it is a really good platform for sure. They just they seem to be really responsive to it, and like I said, I think it's one of the easiest calls, but if you if you figure out with Aaron to it. And make it make the read move. It's gonna sound like a duck. It may not sound like it to you, like right next to you, but at thirty yards, it sounds exactly like a duck. Oh that's, yeah, um, that's the crazy thing. I that's what I told my buddy because you know, like I said, I have my few hunting buddies, and uh, in in the same room, it sounds loud, obnoxious, and flat. But man, you go out and you walk 30, 40 yards out there. And you blow that sucker, that is the most realistic sounding call that you can get. It's just so, like you said, you know, I hunt a lot of those ponds. We hunt the lakes when the uh, when the bird push is good, but anything where we hunt, it's just so loud. And I'm not good enough to get quiet on I just haven't played with it enough, and I'm not good enough to get real quiet on them. Nobody gets a Mondo to be quiet, I don't feel like. Definitely, definitely not. Those guys that I mentioned, they... <laughs> They do not get quiet on it. They like to they like to let it eat because there's a where they're from. They're from Nashville and they they hunt. It's called Altikri, and it's it's a full show up there as far as birds. There's not like many at all, but there's a bunch of blinds and a bunch of people that want to kill ducks. See, that's <laughs> so, my thing is there's no pressure around me. There is if you uh, want to go to the. The draw areas like Grand Pass, Otter, Four Rivers, anything like that. But where I'm at and how I choose to hunt, there's very, very little pressure. So it's like, man, I'd blow everything out of the water, I feel like. That's wild. I would think that in central in central Missouri, yeah? I'm in southwest Missouri. I am 45 oh, okay. minutes from Kansas, an hour from Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's way down in here. Yeah, 
really expect there to be more people out there, but I guess if you're between flyways, it kind of hurts you a little bit, but still, there's, this isn't even a flyway, and there's a lot of people. <laughs> there's, um, see, that's kind of my thing with this, around here, everybody knows everybody. Like, a lot of waterfowlers know each other. The guys that really live it, everybody knows everybody, and, uh, I'll have a lot of people who come up and, you know, ask me, especially when I was doing the TV show, people would, you know, I'd be at Bass Pro or something, people would come up and ask me, and I would direct them to the nearest lake or the nearest draw area and keep them away from my private, (laughs) I don't want competition for my private areas and my goose hunting grounds. I give everybody the best information I can while doing myself a favor. (laughs) That's, That's funny. Yeah, I don't. I'm not going to really say a whole lot about where I hunt because like, I won't even honestly post pictures during a duck season because I just don't like people knowing where I'm at. <laughs> right. just, I, it doesn't even matter because there's only so many places you can be around here, but I just like to, you know, like to mess with people, I guess you say. <laughs> but, I mean, it's all fun. It's, I mean, it's just hunting, but it's really fun just to be able to have stuff to yourself sometimes. Yeah. Absolutely, brother. Well, um, where do you where can people get a hold of you and check out your calls at, man? Uh, I have a Facebook page that I need to start updating, but I have it in a while. It's Robin's Custom Calls, or you can just message message me at my personal page, and I have a website robinscustomcalls dot com, and that's got all my pricing and materials information and stuff like that, and how to go how to order outside of Facebook. Very, very cool, man. Well, uh, like I said, I really like what you've been doing. I've It's enough to catch somebody who makes calls and looks at calls all the times. I, and uh, I don't know, it's just different, man. I, I enjoy what you've been doing, and I, I, I the progression is just super cool and super, it's fun to see. I don't know, you were just one of the guys that when I came back into it that I immediately noticed. It was just different than what everybody else was doing. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, it sounds super cool, and I'll, I'll have to get myself out to Tennessee at some point and come hunt some mountain ducks. <laughs> yeah, come on, man. We ain't got a lot, but... Well, we just ain't got a lot. That's all I can say. <laughs> well, we'll kill them all. We'll get some of them, them resident honkers, man. I'm gonna, yeah. I need to get me some neck collars. I'll send you some. <laughs> <laughs> can't do nothing with them, I'm telling you. <laughs> right on, brother. Well, I appreciate your uh, giving me some time this evening and uh, let you get back to the, the wife and get back to making calls and doing some stuff for the rest of your night, man. Well, thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. And as it gets closer to season, I, I'd like to do it again and just kind of talk about that cut down. Hopefully you've got the hybrid cut down figured out by that point. For sure, man. I'd love to do it again. All right, brother. Well, thank you, and uh, we'll have this thing out here in a day or two. All right. See you. Thanks, buddy. Have a good night. Thanks, everybody, for uh, tuning in. That was Hal Robbins at Robbins Custom Calls. He is a call maker that, like I said, he's he's caught caught my attention just from his style, the way he goes about things is... Is very um, I don't even know how to explain it it just caught my attention it's something different it reminds me of a lot of Roy O'Keefe calls and uh, he's just a, a great great call maker and he's you know his his calls sound great I've heard a lot of his sound files you can jump on call nuts and listen to him but uh, he's a great guy and it was really entertaining and it's always fun to hear how other guys get their starts um, how they hunt because I feel like how you hunt affects a lot of the way that you get into the call making and do different call making things. Um, like the guys in Arkansas, Louisiana, Tennessee. If you took a guy from southwest Missouri like me, we'd never come up with a cut down. There's no reason to come up with a cut down. But uh, if you go down to that area of the world, just a few hours southeast of us, that's what those guys live and die for. So... Uh, it's always fun to see how different guys develop and do things and get their start 
And uh, I really appreciate you guys tuning in. Like I said, I just got the, uh, the iTunes approval here right before we started this thing. So uh, by Friday, Saturday, and uh, April 24th, 25th, whatever today is, you should be able to jump on iTunes, search BTBN, jump on Facebook, search BTBN, jump on Instagram, search BTBN, that is beyond the blind, the N is for networks, um, that is the main separator that uh, shows you guys us versus everybody else, but I appreciate you guys for tuning in, we are going to do a duck call giveaway it is going to be one of my calls, which is nothing too fancy, but it is a really sweet piece of Buckeye Burl and African Blackwood. It's got some stippling on the band, on the insert. I had the piece of Buckeye put back for myself because I love Af- or, uh, Buckeye Burl and uh, African Blackwood is my favorite combination. I have a collection on my mantle from different call makers and my friends that have built me calls. And uh, I had this one put back for myself. I was going to make my own call out of it. And uh, you know what? I want to give you guys a chance to grab it. It's got a lot of sapwood. It's got some spalts in it. I just posted it on social media the other day. We're going to come up with a giveaway. I'm thinking we're going to do an iTunes review. Subscribe. So if you subscribe to us on iTunes, give us a review that says uh, the duck call as the title. Then we'll go ahead and put you in, and uh, we're going to draw somebody's name, and they're going to get a free call. So all you got to do is listen, subscribe, and uh, comment on there about a duck call, and we're going to do a duck call giveaway. So if you did not listen all the way through, you will have no idea. And uh, I really appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much. Check out Hiles Calls. Jump on the Facebook page, look them up, and uh, go grab yourself one. Thank you, guys.